0: This is Trinity Western University's chapel podcast, where our daily chapel gatherings are captured and shared for the TWU community. Whatever your day looks like today, we're glad you're tuning in.
1: Rob Ray has been helpful too with just transitioning here and trying to get settled and questions and I know he likes barbecue and uh, I do too. My wife and I lived in Texas before, so we're uh, we're grateful to be here. Uh, So the text that we have is Mark chapter one, and I'm going to be in verses 16 through 39. Mark chapter one, verses 16 through 39. Before I read the text, I'll just give you a little note. Um, I am ordained in the Baptist black Baptist uh, in fact tradition and so all that means is that um, I can get a little animated sometimes you see my hands I'm already I'm already doing it right now Uh, and so feel free if you you know something is said and you say well man that's a good point you could say amen you could say hallelujah you could even just wave a little hand you ain't got to say nothing Um, so any of those expressions would be welcome but if you're more contemplative That's that's fine, too. So no, no shame. But uh, this is the text before us. Mark chapter one, verses 16 through 39. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Verse 21 They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A a new teaching and with authority. he, He gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in a bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, verse 32, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed, the whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases he also drove out many demons but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was very early in the morning while it was still dark Jesus got up he left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed Simon and his companions went to look for him and when they found him they exclaimed Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the the nearby hill, the nearby villages rather, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Humanity's totally disordered depravity leaves it, meaning us, fighting to follow a nice, neat script that rarely, if ever, deviates from whatever feels immediately advantageous and rewarding, that shields us from discomfort and avoids pain at any cost. Nevertheless, we do not see Jesus behaving in such a way in scripture. Like a rugby fullback or center forward in soccer, Jesus embraces undesirable though necessary collisions for the greater good. In this early part of Mark's gospel, Jesus is submerged in baptismal waters by John, only to later learn that this for running prophet who dined on locusts and wild honey his his relative actually and friend had been imprisoned but you know not only that in between this Jesus was sent into acreage wild like none other to be tempted for 40 days and and yet he remained resolute with absolute clarity about his mission his words then are no less relevant now. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Knowing who you are, identity, is vital to living a full life. That's a point you could have said amen, just so you know. (laughs) Knowing the kind of work that is best for you, vocation is also vital. And these questions are answered correctly only by the person of Jesus who was and is and is to come. Look at how Jesus calls the disciples to identity, saying in verse 17, Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. He was telling them that. In this life, there's so much that is bigger and wider and deeper than fish. Something much greater is at stake, in fact. Their souls are at stake. All of us, but the disciples in particular. And so so in yielding to him as the chief servant of their newly forming group, one day they'd be where he was, these disciples. He would protect them. He would provide for them. He would guide them because that's what rabbis did, like a shepherd and his sheep. In teaching the students in your care as a rabbi, essentially you became their family, and they became yours. I'm struck by by their response to Jesus. At once, we read in verse 18, they left their nets and followed him. Now, in in Mark's rendering of this episode, two sets of brothers, Simon and Andrew, and James and John are fishing their hearts away. They are dead to the world when Jesus approaches them with part invitation, part command. No doubt with calloused, scarred hands and a seafaring aroma swirling near to their credit, they they let their feet do the talking and they followed him. Like, like right then they just rolled out with Jesus. No questions, no negotiations, no passive aggressive temper tantrums. James and John were even so bold, according to verse 20, that they left their father. Like they left a daddy, Zebedee, in the boat with a crew of hired men in order to follow Jesus. Imagine. Imagine you are playing an integral part in your father's construction business or your mother's biomedical research firm. By pedigree and training, you are the unrivaled heir apparent. I mean, this is what your family does. This is how it finances food and shelter, vocation and retirement. This is your family's identity. This is how you are known. And on one day of no special significance, maybe like today, while in the middle of a project in the lab or on a home site somewhere with sawdust and test tubes flying around, safety goggles imprinted into your cheeks, you unapologetically exit the stage purely over the intimate visceral connection and conviction that you need to follow this dude named Jesus. Say what you will. About the disciples as as they will prove stubborn on several instances down the road but their reaction here I mean it's it's enviable I don't know how many of us would be able to do the same thing truth is always urgent always urgent and should never never be toyed with is God patient I'm so glad you asked of course he is patient he he's so mercifully does not want anyone to perish scripture says but everyone to come to repentance however 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 every day every minute that you put off surrendering to the magnitude of Jesus' sacrifice that is a foolish roll of the dice and just so we're on the same page grandfather clauses are non-existent in the kingdom of God Your zip code and reputation, whether good or bad, will not get you in any more than it will keep you out. The the lone gatekeeper is Jesus. And in the Bible that reveals him, the word made flesh, you, you won't find any evidence that he is in the business of passively making suggestions. Did you hear that? Jesus does not make suggestions. Jesus didn't use reverse psychology on these disciples. We, we do not read of him distributing a well-manicured prospectus that detailed the advantages of joining Team Jesus. He didn't hit them up on Instagram with an, an iconic meme that captures the irony of them going from fishing for fish to now fishing for people. It, it doesn't appear that Jesus attempted to massage feelings of loss that these first disciples may have been feeling. Rather, he just said, because Jesus is really plain, come, follow me. And this is because he is the sine qua non, that without which there is nothing, the perfect standard by which humankind is judged, and thus by which we all fail. He is the principal architect of love and an entrepreneur of grace who fabricated holiness from nail-pierced hands. He is the lamb and lion made flesh, having ministered and lived and bled and died and resurrected and ascended for your rebellion and mine. He, he loves us exactly as we are, but he also loves us too much to let us stay that way. Did you hear it? Christ is calling. I remember when he called me outside of Washington, D.C., a region that is replete with more than its fair share of trauma. In my family of origin, we never spoke of God. We never attended church, not once, not even on high holy days, Christmas, Easter, maybe Mother's Day. We were not there. At bedtime, there were no renditions of, now I lay me down to sleep. That was not happening at my household. We were unchurched unbelievers and frankly, quite proud of it. No soot of hypocrisy choked the life out of our witness or so we we believed. We lived according to the ways and means of Ellisdom. All contrary influences were inspected at the door for contraband. I was entirely unaware of God, not at odds with God necessarily. As arrogant as it sounds, the brother just wasn't on my radar. <laughs> but one Sunday at the age of 20, for the first time in life, I moseyed my way into a church. It happened to be a black Baptist Church, and while the ushers and deacons and choir all played an integral and porting important part, it was during the sermon that God began to defrost my heart. Then and there, I professed my faith in this Jesus, who I finally realized was the only one capable of saving me from me. Continuing in the text, from verse 21 to 39, the disciples are on a whirlwind tour with Jesus as they've launched into their newfound livelihood, ministry. In the Capernaum synagogue, Jesus evicted the impure spirit holding a man hostage and also evicted typical Torah teaching that largely had rabbis engage in a quotation Olympics, a quotation Olympics, meaning that they would compare one scholar's commentary to another scholar's commentary all day long. Jesus, however, was different because he was the text in question, the authoritative fulfillment of prophecy. The word became flesh and dwelled among us drenched with compassion as he is in seeing those in need coming to him after the sun had set with its Sabbath restrictions, Jesus healed many who had various diseases. Verses 29 through 34. And lastly, at least in this section, Jesus went off to a solitary place to pray. Notice, you will, that the disciples didn't call themselves to this after taking the act they did not call themselves to this after taking some strength assessment also there was no promise no promises at all that they would like this work to begin with or that they would be good at it but christ called them to it still for his pleasure and for their good After university, I worked at the university, or not, you know, I'm getting old, I'm getting old, I'm just saying stuff. (laughs) (laughs) After university, I went to the University of Maryland, um, I worked at the Washington Post, is what I was going to say. And I worked at USA Today and National Public Radio in website production. Just behind the scenes, I had a little cubicle, you wouldn't even see me if you came in there only to eventually and quite briefly teach preschool. Yeah, four and five-year-olds, 15 of them, every day, all day. If you got little kids or little brother and sister, you need to pray for parents, pray for them, and pray for teachers too, even even at university. So Trinity, y'all pray for the professors because we all need help. Although, Minding my own business, I, I knew that there was something, some work, that God was calling me to different from what I was doing. For me, I'll be honest, it has not been ministry a path of least resistance. At times, I I mean, I would prefer to do something else of my own want that I just chose. But I consistently feel empowered and compelled by the Lord to stay The course, the course that he established for me. If you follow Jesus, you should be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. In the kingdom, you are a royal priesthood. God may call you to drive out clean spirits by way of psychiatry or sociology or psychology or counseling. Or, you know, that English degree could be a catalyst for you composing novels that offer hope and healing to a world that is sullied by the dark clouds of narcissistic nihilism. Maybe it is that your marketing savvy will better enable the promotion of businesses that provide environmental and sociological healing that disproportionately impacts the least of these. It could be that on the job as a nurse, or a professor, or a chemist, you are able to pray with someone who has never done it before. The point isn't so much what you are called to as who calls you to it. And it is not James, and it is not Trinity Western, it is Jesus. On this journey of vocational clarity, there will be times when you end up with a job that feels misaligned and undesirable and that you really, really hope is temporary. However, so long as it's legal and morally legit, that is okay. I want y'all to hear me, y'all, Generation Z or Z plus two, whatever you guys are. I want you to hear this. Stewarding Obligations like finances, or you get married one day and have kids or a spouse, stewarding obligations honorably comes with adulthood. And God will be with you in that experience. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Scripture says, so bloom where you are planted is all I'm saying with an eye and an ear toward Jesus. I know, I know, I'm old, but I, I, know, I you know. I'm on Instagram, I get it. I know that, that living your best life now, like right now, is all the rage. And you'll have to beg my pardon if this offends you, but that concept does not mesh with Scripture. Jesus' best life was death. If you read the Bible, Jesus' best life was death. No one took his life From him. He he willingly laid his life down in order that in him the old would perish and new life, eternal life, would be secured. But that dying in order to die no more is not common. Unfortunately, sometimes even among Christians. In this biblical faith, there is no go-go gadget Jesus who sits around waiting to take our orders at life's drive through Everything you have, life itself, the air you breathe is merely on loan to you from God. He owes you nothing. You, on the other hand, owe him everything. You are not what you do. You are who God says you are. You are not what you do. You are who God says you are. The Bible, God's word is clear. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, signed, sealed. Delivered. This can be your reality today, like right now, your best life right now. If that's all squared away and, and you're walking that long road of obedience in the same direction as a disciple, trust that vocational activities exist and that God has them set for you. To be called by something, by someone is a summons. It's a beckoning that we, in turn, then decide to accept or, on the other hand, we can reject. I hope that when God calls, you will not send his call to voicemail. I pray that you will not block God from marking you as his own. From being adopted into his forever family a royal priesthood who champions hope and truth and reconciliation i need you to know that there is no time like the present i said it before so i'll say it again knowing who you are identity is vital to living a full life knowing the kind of work that you are best for vocation is also vital these questions are answered correctly only by the person of jesus who was and is and is to come amen
0: thanks for joining us today we hope that this message has challenged encouraged and inspired you as we continue learning and growing together in discipleship to jesus Every week, you'll find new chapel messages on our channel from local and international speakers, ranging in diverse and engaging topics. So go ahead and subscribe for the latest of what's going on in chapel. Much love and happy listening.